When is a royal baby a fetus? That was the title of an article I came across the other day on the website of the people who produce the Atlantic magazine. I was searching for something totally unrelated, and I saw that title, and it really caught my eye. So I went and read the article. It was written by a man named Owen Strahan. Not long after the most important news event of the year took place, at least it was the most important news event of the year to many people in the secular media. I'm talking, of course, about the birth of Prince George Alexander Louis of Cambridge, son of Bill and Kate, a.k.a. Prince William and Kate Middleton. Now, the reason I mention this this morning is because in this piece, Owen Strahan focused on a very strange phenomenon that surrounded the little prince's birth, namely how the secular press referred to the royal infant before he was born. Normally, pro-choice members of the media, who are clearly, unfortunately, in the majority, they refer to an unborn child as a fetus, not a baby. And they adamantly refuse to do otherwise. As Owen Strahan noted, he said, countless media reports in recent weeks bore news about the quote-unquote royal baby. Why was this noteworthy? Because this term, to get exegetical for a moment, was not used to describe the future state of the child, once born and outside of the womb, that is. No, the American media used this phrase, royal baby, to describe the pre-born infant. It's not strange for leading pro-life thinkers like Eric Metaxas and Denny Burke to refer to a fetus as a baby. It's not strange either for people to refer to a child they're expecting as a baby, regardless of where they stand on the issue of abortion. It is strange, though, for outlets like the New York Times and the Washington Post and Boston Globe, which purport to be neutral on the issue, to use this seemingly explosive phrase without so much as a qualification. And why is this strange? Because it codes a pro-life position into their description of the unborn child. Of course, those news organizations are anything but pro-life, which was precisely Strahan's point. As he said a little later on in the article, he said, in both the mainstream media and the pro-abortion movement, Fetuses are future humans being knit together in a woman's body. They are not humans while in the womb. To kill them is not to kill a human, but something not yet human. How strange was it then that leading news sources referred to the fetus of William and Kate as the royal baby? There were no pre-birth headlines from serious journalistic sources like Royal Clump of Cells Eagerly Anticipated or 
imperial seed soon to sprout. That's a good one. None of the web's traffic-hoarding empires ran subhuman royal fetus soon to become human. No, over and over again, one after another, from the top of the media food chain to the bottom, Kate's fetus was called simply and pre-committedly a baby. Why was this? Because, as I see it, the royal baby was a baby before birth. The media was right, gloriously, happily right. Yes, my brothers and sisters, that's correct. The media, in this instance, did tell the truth. But do you know what that means? That means that 99.9999% of the time, they lie to us. They lie. Which would lead St. Paul to say, in the words of today's second reading from Colossians 3, Stop lying! Stop lying to one another. And how about the other abortion-related lie that's been in the news lately? concerning the new law down in Texas, a law which is designed primarily to protect the health of women. Don't pro-choices tell us all the time that what they're most concerned about is protecting a woman's health? Well, apparently, they lie about that. They lie about that concern. Because, aside from banning abortions after 20 weeks, the chief purpose of this new law down in Texas is to require higher safety standards in abortion clinics. You would think that pro-choicers would be ecstatic about that. But they're not. Not at all. They're much more concerned, you see, about having abortion available even if it's in a filthy clinic, even if it's in an unsanitary facility like the one Kermit Gosnell, the convicted murderer, ran for years in Philadelphia. Young Michael Najum, before he was Father Najum, in fact, long before he was Father Najum, he used to give talks to confirmation classes. And he used an expression very often when he spoke to his fellow teenagers in those years. He said to them, We are the most lied-to generation ever. That was in the early 1990s. Well, that's no longer true. What's now true is, this present generation is the most lied-to generation ever. And it's largely that way because of the media and because of the expanded means of communication that we have in our modern world. Let's face it, in generations past, if you wanted to get a lie out there to a lot of people, it was pretty difficult. You had to work really, really hard at it, especially before the advent of television and radio. Now, however, you can literally tell a lie to millions of people all over planet Earth in less than a second. Literally in less than a second. You can tweet it, or text it, or blog it, or Facebook it, 
And it's out there, pretty much for everybody to see. The technologically driven lies that are with us right now are many and varied, but some of them we hear constantly. Fetuses are not truly human. Human life does not begin at conception. Science and religion are enemies, non-reconcilable enemies, incompatible enemies. Marriage is something other than a relationship between one man and one woman. Marriage has little or nothing to do with having children and raising children. Sex is a recreational sport with very few, if any, serious consequences. That last one, by the way, is pretty much the message of the new movie that just came out. It's called The To-Do List. Have you heard about it? We talked about it this past week in Youth Group. As one film reviewer put it, the main character in this particular movie, and here I quote, loses her virginity to a guy who really doesn't know her and definitely doesn't love her, and then she packs up her things and goes to college, untraumatized and unstricken by tragic regrets. What a lovely family film. Bet you can't wait to take your children to see it. Is it any wonder, is it any wonder, that so many of our young people have such a difficult time telling the truth? They hear so many lies every day. And then they hear about, and sometimes even encounter, adults who are living various lies. Athletes, for example, who are caught using steroids after claiming for years and years and years that they were clean. And it's not just A-Rod. He's the latest in a long line of them. Politicians who lie about where they stand on certain issues, who lie about their faithfulness to their spouses in their marriages. We see that all the time. Even members of the clergy who lie about their faithfulness to the moral teachings they claim to believe. So much of what our young people have to deal with every day encourages them to be untruthful. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not making excuses for them. I'm simply saying this is what they face. This is the reality of where our culture is at right now. So can it change? Yes, the good news is it can change. However, the spirit of lying will not be eliminated. In fact, it won't even be diminished unless each and every one of us makes the effort to kill it in our own life by being truthful. Notice what St. Paul says in this text. He says, put to death. This is strong language. He can't get any stronger than this in the way he's speaking. He says, put to death the parts of you that are earthly, immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and the greed that is idolatry. Stop lying to one another. Since you have taken off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed for knowledge in the image of its creator. St. Paul's point there is very simple. None of this goes away magically. None of it. By the grace that comes to us through faith and through the sacraments, 
We have to actively and willfully kill these things in our lives. Or they'll continue to be with us. They will grow, they will fester. Now we kill these evil realities by choosing to be good, by choosing to be virtuous. For example, we kill immorality by choosing to be moral. We kill impurity by choosing to be pure. And we kill lying by choosing to be truthful, even when we're tempted not to be. And let's be honest about it, my brothers and sisters, from time to time, we are all tempted not to be truthful, including yours truly. I'll leave you this morning with the words of our new Holy Father, Pope Francis. In one of the talks he gave at World Youth Day last week, he told the young people to rebel. It was a great expression. He said to them, rebel against this culture. And that's exactly what we have to do, my brothers and sisters. We have to rebel against this culture of lying that we're presently living in. May Almighty God help each and every one of us to do that today and every day.